0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. And let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Proverbs chapter 26. I've said this several times. Back when I used to travel a lot. The Lord spoke something to me about five years into ministry. And when he spoke it to me, I, I, I really took it to heart and obeyed and attempted to obey what he told me to do. He said, you know, as a minister, help people to receive from God. Help people to receive from me. Help people to, you know, if they're not saved, get them saved. Uh, if they're not uh, healed, get them healed. If they're not filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. If they're not delivered, get them delivered. So I studied and prayed and preached and studied and prayed and preached some more and traveled and studied and prayed. And, and, and well, if I was going to help people to receive, then I'd have to receive myself. Because if I didn't know how to receive from God, I mean, how am I going to help anybody receive from the Lord if I don't know how to receive from the Lord? And I'd like to say this about my actually uh, tomorrow will be 29 years that I've been Uh, serving the Lord, back in the ministry, doing what I'm supposed to do. So next uh, the the coming week will begin or start my 30th year of just serving God with all of my heart, doing everything I can do to to do what God's called me to do. And I want you to know I have been tremendously blessed. I've never lacked for anything. God blessed me with a beautiful wife, uh, a beautiful family, my daughter Breland. Uh, I mean, the doctors told us we'd never have children, and we've got one, amen, got it with a miracle. Uh, I've seen the world. I've been around the world and seen uh, nations and places that will just blow your mind and, and uh, seen, uh, handled millions of dollars and seen thousands of souls saved and seen miraculous miracles and, and just, uh, there's no way to describe what it's been like. And so I was meditating this week, and I, if I could point to any one particular thing, If you were to say to me, Rusty, is there any one particular thing that you could say would be the thing that you would tell people, this is what you need to do in order to be blessed of the Lord, what would it be? Would it be prayer? Would it be uh, find the right church? Would it be do this, do that? What would it be? It would be this. You may have to make a decision that the will of God is the most important thing in your life. You say, well, what about going to the right church? Well, you know, when I... Graduated from Bible school. I went to Lakewood Church. In Lakewood, it was 5,000 members strong at that time. I mean, we'd have 5,000 on Sunday morning. We'd have 5,000 on Sunday night. We'd have 5,000 on Wednesday night. I mean, it was 5,000 strong. And there was a powerful move of God there. And uh, the Lord spoke to me, and and I had to leave that church and go to a very small church that only had about 20 or 30 people. And I, I just, man, it just really got to me. But, you know, that's where God... Brought my wife to me. That's where uh, my brother Alan, who was away from the Lord at the time, came back. Uh, That's where I developed a field ministry and learned some things about growing churches and, and learned all kinds of stuff. It was not an easy decision to make. So many times the will of God for your life is something that you will find does not carry a lot of comfort with it. I found that out from the beginning. You say, what do you mean comfort? Well, if I would have done things the way I wanted to do things, I would have never done things the way they had or the way they happened. Amen. There's sacrifice involved. Uh, there's times in your life when you question yourself, what am I doing? But if you can look in the mirror and say this. You don't have to look in the mirror and say, I know I'm in the perfect will of God. No, you don't have to say that. You have to look in the mirror and say this. I know I'm doing everything I can do to be in the perfect will of God. Then you can know that you're serving God and you know God will bless you. I have noticed that the number one thing with Christians, with believers, especially what we call the faith camp, the charismatic camp, whatever you want to call it, the number one area that hinders them in receiving from God is not yielding totally to the will of God. Not yielding to it. Pulling back in areas, staying away out of other areas, not obeying this, not doing that, not doing this, not doing that. And it so hinders your ability to receive because number one, you don't understand what it took to purchase you. When you got, listen, when you got saved, I don't know if you understand this or not. When you got saved, you gave yourself to the Lord. Before that, you belonged to someone else. You say, who did I belong to? You belonged to the devil. You say, no, I thought I just belonged to myself. Same thing. I said, it's the same thing. Amen. So they're in, they're in Proverbs. Look at this in Proverbs 1. It says, it's snow in the summer it's rain in the harvest, so honors not seemly for a fool. As the bird wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Listen to it in the Amplified. It says, like the sparrow in her wandering, like the swallow in her flying, so the causeless curse does not alight or does not land. There are all these curses flying around, trying to land in people's lives, trying to to find a place of habitation, trying to find a place to set up house. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, you name it. You name it. And the Bible says that a curse causeless shall not come. I was writing some things the other day over some, some, some manuals and some things, things I'm writing. I was meditating on some things. I was writing some things the other day and I wrote this sentence down in a particular uh, manual that I'm writing. And it is this. All of, the, successes of my li- all the success of my life, I give all the glory to God. All the failure is mine. I don't get many strong amens on that one. But if you realize it, that's really true. All the great success of your life, if you serve God, all the great success of your life belongs to the Lord. He's the one that did it. He's the one that helped you do it. He's the one that gave you the strength, the wisdom, whatever it may be. And all the failure, if you look back in your life, now I'm not talking about before you got saved. I'm talking about as a Christian. If you've got any areas of your life that are failure, I guarantee you, if you really do a true self-inventory of your failure, you'll find out the problem was you. You can blame it on other people. You can blame it on churches and preachers. You can blame it on where you live, who you are, what you think you may be. But when it comes to the end of the day, you look in the mirror, that's the reason right there. That's the reason right there. So the curse causeless does not alight or does not come. Now, think about that for a minute. Let's turn to the book of Jonah. Everybody say Jonah. I Hadn't preached a whole lot out of the book of Jonah. But I kind of thought I'd go over there and look at Jonah this week. As I was reading around in the word of God. and This, this kind of just, just stuck in my spirit. So I thought I'd minister it tonight. It said, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. The son of Amriti saying. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And cry against it for the wickedness has come up before me. You might not notice this. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down, into, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God speaks to Jonah and he says, Jonah, i got a missionary journey, a missionary trip for you to go on. He said, I want you to take off and I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to Nineveh because I'm fixing to take Nineveh and I'm going to mess it up real bad because they've been wicked. Now, you've got to understand, Jonah is Jewish. He's a Jewish guy. And these people in Nineveh had been responsible for destruction upon the nation of Israel. It's kind of like saying, you know, God coming to you saying, I want you to go minister to Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, you know. You're like, I don't know if that's God or not, you know. Well, he must have known it was God speaking to him. So instead of obeying God, what did he do? He did just the opposite. Now notice the first things that it said, first thing that it says is this, that he fled from the presence of the Lord. So it must be that there is an element of the presence of the Lord only available to you as you're in the will of God. Let me say that again. There must be an element of the presence of the Lord that's only available to you as you walk and live in the will of God. I'd rather live in that presence than not. I said I'd rather live in the presence of the Lord having to do something I didn't like to do than flee the presence of the Lord for a little comfort. So here goes Jonah. He says, That's not for me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go get me a ticket. I'm going to get on a ship and I'm going to get out of here. He says, But the Lord sent a great wind into the city, into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, and the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried, every man to his God, cast forth the wares that were in the ship to lighten, the, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was going into the But Jonah was going into the sides of the ship, and he lay. And was fast asleep. Now, now, now here's a storm so violent. Now think about this. Here is a storm so violent that the sailors of this ship are crying out to their demon gods. And then they're taking the cargo of the ship and they're throwing it overboard. Trying to lighten the ship to keep the ship from sinking. Now don't you think that's a weighty enough storm to keep you awake? But there's Jonah doing what? Right in the middle of this hurricane this ship is going through. He's where? He's right there in the midst of the ship asleep. And that's exactly what happens to people when they flee the will of God when they say, God, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to obey you here. I'm not going to obey you there. I'm going to do my own thing. Because, see, you've got to understand, God still will not violate your will. I don't want to get into this subject. I'll teach you a little bit on it when we get to the redemption. But you still have the right to either eat from the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You say, what do you mean? You still have the right to either eat of that which is of the Lord or eat of that which is of your own, of your own will which will cause what? Death or separation. So here is Jonah, and he should be out preaching a crusade in Nineveh, and instead of preaching a crusade in Nineveh, he's in the ship. The ship is in a hurricane, and he's asleep. He's apathetic. He's complacent. He's lethargic. He's not even interested in going on. He don't care about himself, and he don't care about anybody around him. Now you notice, you notice, He gets on a ship with these guys and a storm rises up. Now notice this before I get in front of myself. It says, and they said, where was I at? So the shipmaster, there in verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, so if it be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose curse this evil is come upon us, so they cast lot, lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Uh-oh. Which means what? His disobedience affected the people around him. Let me ask you a question. If you don't serve God with everything that you have, If you don't serve God with all of your heart, if you don't put everything you have into serving, what makes you think your children will? What makes you think the people around you, what makes you think you will inspire people at your job, at your business, out in the community where you go? If you're not putting everything into serving God, what makes you think anybody around you will? You'll suck people into the same curse that's working into your own life. People, they get into the storms of life and they think, oh, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And for years and years or months and months or weeks and weeks, they've been apathetic. They've been complacent. They've been asleep. God's moving. God's doing things. They get distracted. They get caught up with the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of uh, riches. Other things begin to happen in life. They get offended. This happens. That happens. They walk away from God. They quit being obedient. They begin to find out that the will of God doesn't just happen automatically. They begin to find out that there's some work involved with the will of God. There is some diligence involved with the will of God. There is some sacrifice, some obedience. There are some times when you're not going to be near as comfortable as you'd like to be. But all the blessings. I said, but all the blessings. It's better to be uncomfortable in the will of God than comfortable outside the will of God because that comfort outside the will of God is very deceiving. It's like getting a shot of morphine after you've been shot in the arm and thinking the morphine is going to cure the bullet wound in your your arm. It ain't going to do it. Somebody's going to have to cut on that arm. No matter how much morphine you take, eventually somebody's going to have to do something with your injury. So here's Jonah. And here's another thing. It's amazing how the world finds out about your spiritual disobedience. Everybody, from the time I backslid as a teenager... To the time I got right with God, everybody knew I was a backslidden Pentecostal kid. Everybody. I was a stone pothead in FFA, Future Farmers of America, stoned out of my mind, they elected me chaplain. I couldn't run from God they, People would call me preacher. People, I could there was nothing I could do. People knew, yeah, this guy he, he's a nut, he's doing it but yeah, he, he's really got to call a God on. The world can see that. Don't you know the world can see that that you're marked by God, that God, you are His property, you belong to him. It says in 1 Corinthians, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. He has put a mark upon you, and the world sees that. you might as well go ahead and obey God. So they wake up Jonah, here's Jonah, woke up finally, okay, okay. Why has this curse come upon us? Jonah says, it's me. What is thine occupation? (laughs) Yeah. And whence comest thou? What's your country? And of what people art thou? Verse 9, he said unto them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. And the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land, and, and I belong to the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land, then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why have you done this? Why are you disobeying God? My goodness. Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he had told them. He telling off on himself now. Yeah, I'm backslid away from God. I'm out here in your boat, in this ocean, and this storm is destroying you because of me. That happens to people all the time. They get out of the will of God. They quit doing what God's called them to do. They back away from God, they back away from prayer, they back away from church, they back away from the word, they back away from all the zeal and fire they had as a young person. Or as I say as a young person, I mean when they were first young in the Lord. They back away from the things that really caused the fire of God to burn on the inside and they're not praying in the Holy Ghost anymore. Not reading those books they used to read, not listening to those tapes they used to listen to. I mean they just, they're just got cold and indifferent They think that doesn't affect anybody but it does. It does, it affects everyone around you and you cannot afford to be apathetic, complacent or cold. You've got to wake yourself up and many of you, if you're in a storm right now, do a little bit of self-evaluation and see if you're not acting like Jonah in some areas of your life because if you are, the good news is God has a way of getting you out of it. It may cover you with whale vomit. We'll get to that in a minute. But he will get you out of it and will cause you to be blessed if you'll wake up. Now, notice what it says. Then they said unto him, what shall we do? The world doesn't know what to do with you. What shall we do? I mean, I remember one time, my cousin and I, I probably told this story before. My cousin and my uncle had died. He came to the funeral. Their family came to the funeral. So we took off to go partying. I worked with a guy in the cable TV business whose wife. Uh, was a strong Baptist woman, man. She had witnessed to a fence post. We're in the we're in her living room, uh, smoking weed, acting stupid. So she comes in there, and man, she's just fire in her eyes. And she starts preaching. You need to get right with God. She didn't tell me I need to get saved. She told me I you need to get right with God. She knew I was backslid. She knew it. She knew I was away from. God. She could look at me and tell. And so I told her. I never forget this as long as I, I told her what you Baptists need is to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm smoking a joint telling her that. And my cousin looks over and goes, yeah. that's what you See, he's backslidden too. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. She looked at me and said this, if that's what you have, I don't want it. That arrested me. Three months later, I was back right with God. A year after that, she came to and heard me preach at Church of the Living God. This would have been in 1984, 85. She came and heard me preach at Church of the Living God and give my testimony, walked up and got filled with the Holy Ghost. That arrested me right there. If that's what you have, I don't want it. The world is watching you. The world is looking at you. They're examining you daily to see what you have. What do you have? What are you putting out there? Is it a bunch of bitterness? Is complaining? All that type of stuff. I was, we were dealing with some, not, nothing to do with our church or anything, but dealing with another situation with some people that I knew of some things that really happened in their life that was a, a problem in their, their, their child was having a real problem in a certain area. And I made a comment to Leah. I said, you know, the parents got all messed up in this church thing and stuff that was going on. And this child sat at this table... Year after year after year and heard all this criticism criticism of church and pastors and, and ministry and all this about how everybody all they want's money and all this and that and it just tainted this kid and this kid is just so bitter and so mad and will not serve God. People not realizing when you talk, when you say things like that, it goes beyond your ears. Sure, we've seen some disappointment. Sure, there's been some hurt. But listen, I don't go around talking about Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker, or anybody else that's done anything stupid in the kingdom of God. That's between them and God. But I don't want it to taint somebody else and cause them their eternal destiny. We don't talk like that at our table. We don't talk like that around our children. We don't talk about people from the church. We don't do that kind of stuff. You say, why not? Because it may affect their eternal destiny. you got to shake yourself loose from all of this. And you've got to make a decision. I'm going to clean myself up. Get right with God. And I'm not going to allow my life to cause others to go in the wrong direction. People are going to look at me and they're going to find the right direction. Not the wrong direction to go. These guys recognize. Man Jonah you got us in a mess. Why didn't you just obey God? Why did you come get on our ship? Now notice what it says. He said unto them take me up. And cast me forth into the sea. Now, I want you to know, rebellion can lead you to the place where you want to kill yourself. Self-destruction. You say, I'd never go that far. It will if you don't. Listen, the devil's a mean devil. He plays for keeps. He knows he cannot keep you out of hell. But he'll do everything. I mean, he knows he can't keep you out of heaven. But he'll do everything he can do to try to get you from getting someone else to go with you. Now, you think about that. Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. He thought no more of himself than to end it all. So shall the sea be calm, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. Even the world didn't want to destroy him. Even the people on the ship said, "Well, well, we'll try rowing again. But it didn't work, for the sea was raw, and the tempest was against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, capital L, and made vows, but now notice, and the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, now this is, where, this is where a lot of people, a lot of Christians end up. In the belly of the whale three days and three nights. You say, why was he in there three days and three nights? It took him that long to get it right. If a fish swallows me, I'm getting it right real quick. It's not gonna take me three days and three nights. I'm gonna fall on my knees. But obviously, he got swallowed by the fish and still had an attitude. Well, you know, here I thought I thought I could end it all, throw myself into the sea, at least I could drown and it'd all be over with. All my anguish would be over with. And now here I am. What's next, God? I run from you, run from the presence of the Lord. I go, to the, uh, go and get on a ship. I get on the ship. You follow me to the ship. You cause this great storm to come. Everybody figures out the reason the storm's going on. So I figure I'll just end it, throw me into the sea. So throw him into the sea, and what I'm, here comes the fish. Swallows him up. So now he's probably thinking, all this, and now I'm inside a fish. Now, understand this. This is in Jonah's day. Much much of the verbiage in the Hebrew is permissive, which means God allowed these things. But listen, in the dispensation we live in, God doesn't cause these storms. He doesn't cause these problems. When we back away from the presence of the Lord, we're getting right out into where the enemy wants us. And honey, he's going to raise up a storm in your finances, a storm in your health, a storm in your business, a storm in your family, your marriage. He'll raise that thing up and he'll cause it to rage. I mean, and he'll let it go and go and go and go. And finally you get to the point and say, well, I'll just forget all of this. And next thing you know, you find yourself even worse off. What can happen now? But now notice this. Chapter 2, verse 1. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord. It begins with prayer. Many times the first thing you give up or the first thing you compromise when you begin to leave the will of God is your prayer life. Because when you begin to compromise your prayer life, it becomes easier and easier to step back. But as long as you will pray, come on church, as long as you will pray, As long as you will get on your knees every day and pray, Lord, I want your will. Lord, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go. I'm not looking at comfort. I'm not looking at this. I'm not looking at that. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to pray every day. Listen, it's when you back away from that. It's when you back away from that, you begin to wear what? The number one place you dwell in the presence of the Lord is not in the church house. It's not in the praise and worship. It's in your own prayer closet. It's in your own prayer time. And if you're not praying, you need to go back to your place of prayer. You may say, well, man, I'm in such trouble right now. I feel like Jonah. I feel like I'm in the middle of a fish's belly. Well, i got good news for you. Make it a prayer closet. Make your problem a prayer closet. Begin to cry out to the Lord. First of all, repent. Say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I do not want to live outside your provision. That means I don't want to live outside your will. Get rid of your stubbornness. Get rid of your pride. Fear and pride always guard that which is wrong. And you can always tell when fear and pride are working because you continually defend yourself. You talk about how victimized you are, how you got a right to act like you're acting, a right to do what you're doing because of what everybody else has done, and you're this big victim. Well, you know, praise God. We can all probably take a page out of that same book and wave that same flag, but when you choose not to do that and you choose to go to the Lord in prayer in the midst of what you're going through, all the financial problems, all the spiritual problems, all the different physical problems, it does not matter. You say, Lord, I am coming back to prayer. You're fixing to get a breakthrough. He prayed unto the Lord his God in the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction. You know what he said? You know what he's saying? He's being honest. He's saying, I'm not coming back to prayer because I'm on fire for God. You know what he's saying? I'm coming back to prayer because I'm in a fish's belly. That's what you, people say, well, I don't think it's right, you know. To, you ought to just really be on fire for God all the time. If you're not on fire, well, you know, this, it, it's not the right motive. Well, honey, if your house is burning and your finances are burning and your body is burning and everything else is burning in your life, you ought to come on back to prayer by reason of your affliction. Right. Amen. Some people just, they're, they're too overholy. Too over righteous, you know. Just, well, that's just not the right motivation. Somebody you ought to just be. I heard a guy preach one time on a, a burning house or a burning heart. You either serve God because your house is burning, which you will not serve God faithfully, or for a burning heart. You've got to have a burn. If you don't have a burning heart, you can't. sometimes the house is burning. Sometimes you're in the fish's belly. Sometimes you got to make a decision. Okay, Lord, I'm coming back to prayer because I am so beat up, I'm so frustrated, I'm so mad, I'm so upset, I'm so broke, I'm so sick, I'm coming back to prayer. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And what? And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me, about, and the billows, and thy waves passed over me. I'm in trouble. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Now notice then. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. I remember What's he saying? I remember when I was on fire for the Lord. I remember when I was in the will of God. I remember. I want it again. I may have made a mistake, but I understand that my God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the 15th chance, the 25th chance. So I may be in the belly of a whale, but I remember the revivals. I remember the meetings. I remember the crusades. I remember the times reading the word, the tapes, the books. I remember it. I remember it all and I want it again. I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, the depth closed in round the mouth. The weeds were wrapped around my head. This guy's in trouble. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me. Forever thou hast brought, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord. Now notice what he said. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He said in my, my worst day, my worst hour, my worst day, the doctor has said, the banker said, the, the, the family counselor has, all of, it's just all, it's all, it all looks like it's all over, but then I remember the Lord. Hope thou, hope thou in God. What do we, we study on Sunday for with God? Nothing shall be impossible. Listen, your fish ain't too big for God, and his belly's not too deep. If you will make a decision, I'm going to claw my way out of this thing. God will give you the breakthrough you desire. I remember the Lord. My prayer, there's prayer again, came up into thy holy temple. Now notice this, they that observe lying vanities, vanities they, they that they that observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. Listen to the amplified. Those who pay regard to false, useless, worthless idols forsake their own source of mercy and loving kindness. Now, what your idol is, is that what you're giving your attention to? So when you look at what you you begin to blame and you begin to lay all of that, well, God, it's not my fault, and, and that you're forsaking your own mercy. You say, well, I'm just not guilty in all this. Okay. All right. But you understand this. The guilty before God are the ones that get the mercy. I made a decision years ago when I'm wrong, I'm guilty. So I'm just going to claim my own guilt and not forsake the mercy of God and not allow a lying vanity. What is a vanity? Something that you put on. It's just a put-on. It's all it is. You just put it on. You put on this act. You got this attitude. You know, I'm offended. I'm mad. I'm mean. I'm, you know, you know, you know, I don't I can do what I want to do, go where I want to go. When God's got a specific place, a specific time, specific people for you to be with, I found that out. Listen, I left Lakewood. When I left Lakewood, I was so upset for over a year. I was so upset with God. But I got myself up every time the church doors were open. I went and worked. I did it, and I did it as unto the Lord. That's the only way I could do it. I didn't like the pastor. He didn't like me. That's just the way it was, the way it stayed for 15 years. We butted heads. We had doctrines that were different, and I just stayed. And stayed and said, Okay, Lord, if you want me to stay here all of my life, I'll do it and I'll do it with the right heart and I'll do it with the right attitude. But I know this one thing, Lord I will not become a victim of what I should be obeying you in. Well, Lord, you sent me to this church or you put me into this ministry or you did this or you did that. And I want to do this and I want to go here and I want to be this and I want to be that. You got to listen, you got to junk all of that. And you got to say, okay, Lord, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? And then when he tells you to do it, you recognize he knows more than me. He knows more than I do. I mean, I, I, I said this oh, was, uh, 10 or 15 years ago. I was actually preaching uh, in a meeting where, where my former pastor, Brother John Osteen, was also preaching the same camp meeting up in Huntsville, Texas. And the pastor of the church said, you know, Rusty, He said, if you wouldn't obey God back when the Lord told you to leave Lakewood, you'd probably be running the camera there right now instead of preaching this camp meeting. I thought, wow. Which was probably the truth. So you've got to understand, there's going to be some discomfort. There's going to be some times when you have all kinds of opportunity to get offended, mad, mean. There's going to be times when you say, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be. And you do it anyway, but you do it with the right heart, and you do it as unto the Lord. And you do not forsake your mercy by just putting on some act. And I guarantee you, God will bless you and get you out of anything you've got yourself into. If you want to title this message tonight, it's this. How to get yourself out of what you get yourself into. I know it. I know it. I've lived it. Now notice what it says. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. Now notice what's happened. Hope's beginning to rise up. Now he's gone from recognizing the problem, recognizing the situation, recognizing that God hadn't forsaken him, goes back to prayer, begins to understand if I keep this attitude of wanting to get mad at God because he called me to Nineveh, if I keep that attitude then I'm forsaking my own mercy. So I'm going to pray to the Lord. I'm going to get right with God. He's going to know in my heart, if I ever get out of this fish's belly, I'm going to Nineveh. And when hope rose up, what do you begin to do? Notice, notice, this is really good. This is really good. I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of faith. He begins, not when he's preaching the great crusade in Nineveh. Not when everybody's patting him on the back and saying, what a great man. No, while he's still in the whale's belly, he begins to worship God because he went back to prayer and came to God and did not forsake his own mercy, then in his heart rose up hope and he began to worship God down in the belly of a whale. And the Lord spoke unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah on dry land. <laughs> And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. He said, here we go, Jonah. We're going to start this all over again. Well, where do you end up? Right back where you start. Here's your opportunity to obey God again. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, preaching that I bid thee. Notice verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now notice this. He got out of the situation. He got out of the situation, but it was a mess. He's covered with, the whale did what? It vomited him out. So he's in a mess. It will cost you dearly not to obey God. You may lose some stuff. You may lose some things, but God can still get you out. I know people have gotten into financial trouble, and God gave them a way out. They said, well, you know, Pastor, uh, if, I, if I sell these things off and I do this and do that, I'll just have enough money to pay all my debts. I tell them, pay them. But I want not have anything left over for all my work. I'll pay them, because God will bless you. That's his way of getting you out of the financial dilemma you've gotten yourself into. Woo, all the amen shot me down now, aren't they? <laughs> it may be you might have to apologize to somebody. It may be you have to, might get something right with someone. It may be that you might have to go back, go do something again or go through something again. I don't know. It come, when you come out in that mess, God will tell you again. All right, here we are again. Chapter 2, page 2. Here we go, right here. I told you to go to Nineveh. You said no. That's what I'm telling you to do. You Ready? Ready? Go to Nineveh. <laughs> Buddy, I guarantee you, I bet his feet hit the ground running when God said go to Nineveh. Because he recognized God's given me a second chance. God's given me a second chance. How's my time? Ooh, I'm almost finished. A couple of points and I'll close. You cannot take the will of God lightly. Now listen to this. The Lord spoke to this to me in prayer. I've never heard of this said before. It's not a matter of choice. It's a matter of obedience. Right. We're the ones that make it a matter of choice. God still keeps it on the level of obedience. When we lower it to the level of choice, we're in trouble. Remember when the Lord told us to start Island Church, I was like, "No, No <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, you don't under, you have no idea. You have no idea. I mean, we were flowing and going and blowing and people wanting us to come and preaching revivals and meetings and, and, and doing this and doing that and believing God for an airplane and here and there. And, and then God says, now it's time to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'd go places and people would prophesy. And even people that I knew would oppose everything God told me to do. They'd give me a word. that would be exactly what. You need to go and do what God, thus saith the Lord, go and do what God. I'm like, no, you don't know what you're saying. was like no 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 and then both of us together we got in agreement we got into agreement no 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 lord no we got our we got ourselves in agreement on that one and god wouldn't quit he wouldn't back off he wouldn't stop he just kept pressing on our spirit just kept pressing on our spirit And we recognized and realized that the will of God in our life was not a matter of choice. It was a matter of obedience. You say, well, I've made the wrong choice. "Eh, That sounds real sweet. But in reality, you've disobeyed God. Mm -mm -mm. You must recognize you have been redeemed, purchased, not your own, but paid for with an awesome price. Your value is equivalent to the price that was paid for you. Now you think about that a minute. You say, what do you mean? That's the way God sees it. Your value, to God, the way he sees, he says, well, it doesn't really matter. You're talking about you're a pastor and a preacher and all this. All I am is, you know, I'm just believing God to be on the praise team and to be an usher. It's still important to God. And your value to God is equivalent to the price he paid for you. You say, what did he pay? He gave Jesus his only begotten son so that there could be a destiny for your life. That's how important it is. It's not until, it's not until life and its total focus becomes all about the will of God in your life that you really begin to live. It can be about the kids. It can be about the family, the job. It can be about your favorite sports team, your hobby. It can be about your wife. It can be about all this other stuff. But it's not until the wholeness of your life becomes all about the will of God. When it does, you will begin to live. And there is no life like it. If you've gotten yourself into trouble, if you've gotten yourself into a situation, and you know it, you're frustrated, your anger starts to come up, all anger is is a band-aid over hurt. You say, well, I've missed God here, and I should have done this, and I should have done that. Listen, the shouldas will drive you Crazy. It's a horrible disease. It's not the shouldas and whatas. It's what you're gonna. What you're gonna do now? What do I do then? You just come back to prayer. Just come back to prayer. Just get back. Go back to your prayer closet. Get that prayer log. Dust it off. Get that Bible. Get back in there on your knees and open that book up. Lift your hands up and say, Father, here I am. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I don't see your provision playing out in my life like I desire it to I want the will of God I want it in my life I just don't see my direction as being profitable but here's what I know no matter what the price is I will pay it to be in your will Lord. I will do it no matter what I have to go through no matter how much comfort I have to give up it doesn't matter to me Lord your will in my life is more important than anything else it's the only thing it's the only reason why I live and if you will be that way, God will meet you right there. And what you have to come out of, if it's a debt, something, it may be kind of messy or ugly coming out of it, but come out of it and be free of it. and Get the whale vomit off and head for Nineveh. And I guarantee you the zeal that was on him when he got there was probably 10 times the zeal that he would have had when he went, if he'd have went the first time because he had to go through some things to get to Nineveh. But here's the good news. God was that merciful to somebody under an old covenant. How much more merciful will he be to us? Really doesn't matter if you missed it yesterday. What are you doing today? Amen. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord just for a moment. Father, we bless you. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for speaking to us out of your word. Lord, in our lives, the areas that we need to make the adjustments in, Lord. Father, we choose to do exactly as Jonah did, to Go back to the place of prayer to to recognize your mercies, not to forsake our old mercies, not to let the lying vanities of life lie to us and tell us that we have a right to be upset. We have a right to be mad. No, no, we're not going to forsake that. And Lord, in the midst of what we're in, we're going to worship you. We're going to glorify your name. We're going to exalt you. We're going to praise you. And we're going to thank you that you are the God of the second chance. You did it with the prodigal son. You did it with the apostle Paul. You've done it with multitude, millions of us down through the ages. And Lord, your mercies are even greater this hour than they've ever been. If they're new every morning, then they're newer now than they've ever been. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Did that help you tonight? Praise God. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.